0: Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. At Evolution, we are committed to helping people and Nordics tech organisations realise their potential. Our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to make doing business easier. I'm Georgia from Evolution Recruitment Solutions and today I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Tarek Fawaz, uh, who's the Head of Tachograph Services at Scania. I've got Tristan Dovan, who's the product owner at Hope and Internships. Felix Dalner, who's the technical product owner at Helicon Technologies. And I've got Valeria Fiana Gusmeo, the tech lead at eBerry by Strawberry, to discuss engineering the transition, coder to leader. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like you to know who you are, what you do, and what your biggest passion is currently. Tarek. Do you want to kick us off?
1: Yeah, of course. So my name is Tariq and I'm working for Iscania as a techograph uh, head uh, right now. Yeah, so by the way, the tachograph is just devices in the huge trucks that we produce in Scania just to track the rest time, driving time for all the drivers all over the wo- uh, road. And this is according to the legal requirement of the European Union. And I'm coming from course, technical background, I work in, in the software industry for the last 18 years of my life, then you can count how old am I. Yeah, and the other thing, what really I like to do is to help people. This is my passion in life. Uh, I would try also somehow to impact uh, changing the world, but uh, of course, in very indirect way. That's why I joined Scania as a developer in the beginning in the charging services. So we encourage these sustainability efforts uh, inside Europe and outside Europe, of course. That's all
0: about me. Amazing. And Tristan, let us know about yourself.
2: Okay, my name is Tristan. I am originally from London. I've been in Sweden for five years now. Um, On November the 18th, happy anniversary. Um my background, um, if I take it back a little bit, um, is slightly unconventional, I guess, for someone working in tech. So I went to Union, and studied um, performance design, so costume, lighting, um, staging, all of that stuff. I worked after graduating in creative agencies for 12 years back in London Um on various design projects from luxury retail stores to branding and petrol stations even. Um, And then moved to Stockholm and then had the opportunity just to really indulge in something I was interested in. So retrained as a software developer. Um, And that led me to my current position at Hopin where I joined as a front-end developer and quickly, assumed the position of product owner um I think it's just an innate quality in me that I like to coordinate and round everyone up and just make sure everyone is on a you know aligned vision um yeah and it's been it's been fun it's been a journey and I think my biggest passion other than chairs inside joke (laughs) is um I think just anything visual and I think that's what really drew me to you know trying to become a front-end developer that you could create all of these things from nothing and do really cool stuff that looked great and yeah.
0: Brilliant um, and Felix tell us about yourself.
3: Hey all I'm glad to join you so yeah my name is Felix Delner. Uh, I work at Helicon Technologist AB uh, we do software for the energy industry. And for me, it's been kind of like I've done the transition that we're about to talk about, Uh, really. Like I've done, I've been a developer and then moved to sort of more product ownership and leadership. And I think that that sort of reflects my one big passion, which is working with people. But sort of like uh, Tarek mentioned as well, I think impact is super, super important. And I think it's way too easy to just close your eyes, uh, which is something I don't really like doing uh, in that sense. So, So people and impact is my two big passions and happy to join you.
0: Amazing. And last but not least, Valeria.
4: Thank you. Excited to be here. Um, Valeria Vianne-Guzma. I work at eberry by Strawberry. i worked there since December, but um, I have been in development for the past, you know what, I'm just going to say over a decade because I stopped counting. I need to go to LinkedIn to check. Um, I started as a front-end developer, transitioned, uh, started with like, PHP and this kind of stuff. It was a long time ago. Uh, worked as a freelancer and transitioned to a full stack developer, contributed to mobile development, to backend development. I wanted to know it all. And in the end, I decided to come back to web. And now my passion is to actually combine the programming of the code and structuring the thing and helping out the people who are actually doing that. Uh, So for the past uh, couple of years, uh, Iber is my second position where I'm a tech lead, I have been delving into this and it combines very well. I'm really excited about the code and technology and it seems like it's a low effort. You, you know, it's not, a, it's not a surgeon on the heart, right, uh, trying to not kill people, but still there is a lot of responsibilities there, and at the same time, there is some sort of a stability. And the psychology and the relationship with people, it adds a little bit of this challenge and excitement of you don't know what's going to happen next. So for now, this is where I strive and this is where my passion is.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the
2: rest of the podcast.
0: Perfect. Um, So now that we have established a context to each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. Um, You all have a question or statement on engineering the transition, coder to leader. As usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation too. Let's start with Valeria. Um, Your question was, do you think that this transition is the natural way of career progression? And why did you choose that path? Where does this question come from?
4: Um, Right now being in this position and being in this transition um i'm looking at my uh, my teammates and trying to figure out what is the next step for them is there a next step outside of transition into a leadership or can they can they do something else because i myself experienced that there is some sort of a wall there so at some point you you don't have enough challenge in just the code unless you switch kind of the development paths or uh, or try out something new. But I'm not sure if it was just my experience and I would like to get the outside perspective on that.
0: Brilliant. So, uh, Tarek, let us know your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I have some thoughts about that, of course. But uh, I would like to say it's... Yeah, sometimes I can say, yes, this is like the natural wave progression. Sometimes I I cannot say that because it de- it depends on so many factors like the individual skills, the interest and the career goals that we have. And also, if we also considering that we are the, the, the entire world. So we have also different cultures, um, different countries and uh, Maybe in some countries and some societal norms force you to do this uh, transition or to do this progression. Because if you don't do that, then you will not get uh, promoted in your career and you stay like taking the same salary for too long time. And then you need to do that. And also, you don't get the sometimes people look in like I'm talking about those uh, culture like you're not uh, doing too much in your career, so you're a big failure, for example. But from another perspective, I can say that it shouldn't be normal transition for everyone, it should be normal transition for the ones who are really competent with that one. The ones who really see uh, and know how to gain some leadership uh, skills. The one who really know how to talk and convince people in a very decent way. Um, you like I don't see it like a normal or natural way for someone who sees himself like a boss all the time. He wants just to make his thoughts on the ground, but it's more about the one who make people feel good. Someone who really feel good when someone else doing something good and he don't looking for a credit at all. This is my thoughts.
3: Yeah. Uh. I can just I can just fill in that I totally agree with what Tarek said that I think uh, in general, I think that we as leaders are sound like this has become the natural way because we as leaders are too afraid to challenge the norm, really. Uh, There's this old quote about like, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, right? And that's kind of what, what I think Tarek is sort of alluding to as well, is that sort of not everyone wants to be a leader, not everyone is competent to be a leader. And I think that it's a shame to see so many people push down that road. Simply because it's what expected, and like you say, Tarek, that it's it's the if you want to take the next step, it's very hard to do something where you, for instance, solely become focused on becoming a specialist. Uh, you almost always have to do some managerial duties, and I think okay. I think that's a shame. Uh, so that's my two cents on it. And
2: um, I th- I think it's a really interesting question, um, and I think it's really interesting to kind of put it into the perspective of, you know, it is something that's expected to show that you are progressing in your career, that you have kind of taken that next step. But then I kind of, as a leader myself, don't see it as a level of seniority over everyone else. Um, And I try to be kind of more on an equal playing field with everyone else that's in the team with me. Um, But back to the question, I think, there are a lot of people that I've encountered in the tech industry that shouldn't be leaders anyway I think um, it does require the certain kind of person who is able to communicate and you know there are you know some developers who have gone into the industry because they see it as a way of not having to interact with people and they can just focus on the task at hand um so it would be an interesting question. An idea for them as well like you know how do they see their careers progressing and is it that they just want to become the best at what they do and I guess you know being in tech and being a developer can you ever become an expert at what you're doing with how quickly things are changing so there are going to be other ways that someone in their career can constantly be challenged without having to take that you know stereotypical step up um, to the more, quote, senior position?
4: It's uh, it's amazing how synced it all uh, fr- throughout uh, the answer. So thank you very much. It's, it's a great perspective, honestly. Uh, but I also noticed that Everything requires skill, right? So you can not say, like, no, that that person, he didn't start at the same age or level as, as us. So you know, they couldn't be a developer or they couldn't be a leader. Because I myself witnessed people who didn't strike me as a leader material or, like, people material. And yet at some point they started to get interest in that and they developed it um, over the, the time. And at the same time, I've seen amazing leaders that were saying, it's enough. I don't want to do it anymore. And they were stepping down and back. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very individual, uh, as you were saying, that it's, uh, uh, it requires some sort of a passion for it, predisposition, or, or a need to actually motivate you, because there is a lot of challenges there, right? But thank you very much. It's, uh, it's an amazing take.
1: Yeah, Valeria, I, I see the same uh, uh, also, and they continue with this Trist, uh, Tristan uh, mention. But also, we need. Uh, I, I was coming from the background like you forcing people to become leaders, uh, even if they're not ready. Of course, you can coach people to become leaders. Some people can achieve that, some other people cannot uh, achieve that. And then we, we need to, to first have this kind of self awareness about who we are and how we contribute in this industry in a way or another. And also one of the catastrophic uh, problems because you're forcing people to to, to move from this uh, uh, development uh, to management uh, skills like you losing some competence as well. Like he was a very super developer and now just to to show people that he's doing progress in his career, he moved to be a group manager or uh, engineering manager, but then he, uh, okay, he did like, not so good as he was a developer then it be, you can see now we have these uh, new positions um for the last 10 years like principal developer likes senior principal developer or even the architect then it could be a good way to do this direction because also the architect it's a kind of like leadership but deeply technical one
3: yeah and i think it's super super important what you're mentioning that as well with with the whole, one thing as well that I see sometimes is that leaders are giving a lack of time to actually develop their leadership skills. So for instance, like you say, oh, you have a developer that's a superb developer. And then you keep on expecting that he's gonna deliver at 120% development speed when he becomes like a system architect or you know a team leader or whatever. And you don't give them enough time to actually take care of their team or to develop their leadership skills. And they end up being both terrible leaders and terrible developers. And then you start wondering. So sort I'm of like, "Oh, what happened?" And nobody really knows. And it's all sort of like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> it's quite obvious, right?"
0: Amazing. Um, really good insights on that. Um, let's go to Felix' question. Um, so we've got, how do you balance tech versus business needs in your day to day life, and how it changes over time as you've got more leadership experience and responsibilities? Where does that question come from for you?
3: I think it comes uh, sort of from the day-to-day life, really, right? Like, it's it's especially as a consultant, you're kind of faced with that question quite often because the business and tech needs are very separate and you have several business needs. You have your own company like, and you have the client. And of course, the client is maybe the one you care most about, but you have a lot of different needs at edge. And sort of what I was alluding to in the previous sort of uh, tidbit was as well is that you have limited time, right? So the context for it is, I guess, is that business and tech needs can be at odds with each other, Business might want things done quickly, as soon as possible. Tech wants things done in a stable way. uh, And those two things tend to sometimes be at odds. Uh, So I'm just sort of wondering about your sort of uh, reflections on it. Um, How do you go about balancing that? And I think that since we have a quite nice mix of different stakeholders, so to say, I think we're going to get a few different answers as well. So I'm very excited to hear your answers.
4: Yeah, for me, it was also a very interesting question because I'm coming from the completely opposite perspective, right? Uh, from not being a consultant and trying to settle in one like long-term employment. And uh, the short answer, I would say that you balance it through communication with the stakeholders, with your team members. And um, in a perfectly functional and agile environment, that shouldn't be a problem, right? Because there will be um, people that will speak up and say, hey, this is our need uh, and we need to have it done because of X, Y, and Z. But um, I would say that over time, uh, my priority definitely shifted from the tech. So being a developer, of course, that was my my cornerstone. I need to protect this. This is mine. We need to refactor the code. We need to ensure that the DVAX is better. We need to make sure that uh, this is functioning. We're using the modern technologies that the developers are challenged. But at the same time, you get to understand that apart from the business needs, there is also... Um, customer satisfaction if you're watching in, in, in the customer industry, right? Which is also business need, but not quite. And it's all balanced and mixed between each other. And the the, uh, the separation between them is really, really um, pale. You, you can't really uh, separate one from another. So, um, yeah, as uh, in a short answer, uh, there is no right and wrong. There are like some general rules. Uh, in uh, In Strawberry, we're trying to stand on the three pillars like of uh, protecting the people, protecting the profits and making sure that um, we care about the planet. But then again, it depends from company to company. Uh, I had completely different uh, perspective in startups where, um, you know, if you're not going to get the profits by this date, it doesn't really matter what kind of developer experience you have. You just will not be able to function and so on. But in general, um, it just needs a good environment. And this is one of our responsibilities as leads to make sure that we uh, help balance it out and listen to other people as well
2: um yeah i guess i just want to echo the importance of communication with stakeholders here and always having that awareness of okay we can do this but that technical debt is just going to start building and building and we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot if we continue to work you know at pace and then there is just a lot of compromise and you know when i was working as a developer you focus on the tasks at hand and you want to do the best work possible. And as I'm doing this role now, balancing more with, okay, what does the business need and how much time do we actually give to the developers to do this? Um, And I hope, and what we're doing is developing a platform for helping um, people looking for internships to connect with companies who are offering opportunities. And as a startup, we've also worked with um, a lot of interns as well. So, it's the balance for me has always been really tricky because I want to empower the interns and make them feel as though they are really contributing and they always are. And also to help them feel as if they are doing the best work possible that they can feel proud about, um, especially at the start of their careers. So trying to juggle business needs and delivering something quickly that users can start interacting with straight away and you know, show value to investors, versus okay, we need to give some extra time for this, um, is always is becoming tricky. Um, but I think, yeah, that's why communication is important, just to make sure people are aware of what is going to be happening if we rush this or if we take our time on this, how it's going to affect everything else. So I think it's a it's a good question yeah
1: i agree with all of that uh, but also i want to get the story from the beginning like uh, like communicating that with a transition uh, from being a developer to an engineering manager i would say like in the initial like initial transition you will feel like you're more pies to the technical and then you would always fight for the technical debits and get these things done and then you got this normal fight with the commercial side of the organization. Okay, but we need to achieve this. We need to get some more profit. Okay, but uh, I can say that we cannot uh, get more profit. And we have this kind of like poor service offering and the buggy system, etc. But uh, during the years when you work, you realize that, oh, um, but also you need to think some somehow with strategic. Because the service is not just uh, lines of codes, not only developer world, but also there's some user organization around you to sell the service and convince people around the around your company to say, to, to to buy your service uh, by end of the day, uh, and then you you need to, from my perspective, to just to guarantee the balance yeah, it's a communication, but also we need some um how to say, like, organized process of digesting the the requirements of the customer and translating it to some valuable items and then translating to the technical and having all this related all together, like, regardless of uh, the tool that we are using. But I need to get the opportunities, which is on the customer needs, and really connected uh, to the, the Jira task that I have as a developer. And also... To be inclusive, like you need to include the developer, then they feel the pain as well. Okay, if we don't do that, then they we have a frustrated client. Then sometimes they feel people. I I I say like I have experienced that several times because I I did this setup uh, like one or twice, having all this chain transparent to everyone in the team, and then some developers say, oh, but we need to take out this take debit. It's not the time to do tech debit right now. We need to focus on delivering this value to the customer because they are frustrated. And uh, I'm also agree with Valeria. It's really, really huge di- like a huge difference between organization to organization. Some organization want really the engineering manager to totally focus on the the the, the development part and pay less attention to the commercial part. And some other organization need you uh, to be more focused into the business part and build awareness uh, to the team. Some other companies just want you like an HR, uh, like HR or admin, just uh, signing the vacation, etc. So it's really differs. Yeah.
3: Thank you for the great answers. And I think that for, for yeah, for the listeners at home, so to say, I think... The biggest tip is probably to find a, an agile organization, which we all know is is, is super super easy to do, right? Now, but I think I think there's some great input there. I think uh, communication being clear uh, was very very good, and I think that's something we always all can work on, right? Uh, Tarek, you mentioned sort of like structuring it, and I think you also sort of briefly touched there that different organizations structure it differently. In some of them, you uh, you're supposed to do everything, and some you do nothing, and then some you only focus on development. But I think also one thing that I'm kind of hearing in between the lines here of what you're saying is that if you come from a technical background, to not forget sort of where you came from, uh, mainly from malaria here, that you have to sort of realize that like once back in the days, I I cared about that. they being in the right spot, you know. So I think I think that's uh, something that's maybe very very helpful, or for those those of us who are not technical, to simply try to understand uh, the technology more. So thank you for great answers there.
0: Brilliant. Um... So, yeah, I mean, we just want to find out as well, uh, Tarek, um, thoughts about your question I've got. Is it required for engineering managers in technology to know how to write code? Tell me your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, my thought about that, why this uh, question coming here, because this is like the endless, uh, how to say, conversation between different managers in different organization, yeah, but I don't know code. I don't know about the software development. But I know how to manage people. I know how to coach people. But is that enough to really develop uh, uh, a developer to feed the pain of uh, the the team member that you have? If you are only managing a team of developers, uh, that's this from where it comes. Also, sometimes when you're joining, like a kind of like organization having like. Deep technical um, uh, technical solutions, which really need some decisions um, at the strategic level, and having this technical competence to 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 how to say to just to show the right direction to the entire team that you have. If you lose this competence, how it could be? So, is it really important to be an engineering manager for a group of developers to know how to write code? Or it's not?
3: Uh, I don't think so necessarily. Same with product owners, but I think it's, if you do, it's your unfair advantage, right? So having the respect and experience for development cycles, they're a huge benefit. Uh, I think it's the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Because if, if you've been there, you can sympathize with it. If you don't, you can only empathize with it. Uh, and I think that's sort of like what Valeria touched on earlier as well. If you know yourself, they're like, hey, I used to care about this. You know, it's your communication is going to get better. You're, you're like it's going to become clearer. It's, I think you're going to find yourself having a lot of an easier job <laughs> than if you don't. But I mean, of course, I don't want to scare anyone away that doesn't have a technical background. But I'm just going to say that I think it's easier and it makes it you you're going to do a better job. Simply enough.
2: I agree. <laughs> you will be able to do a better job, but at the same time, it's um, you know, people can learn these skills and just. At least have an understanding so that that empathy maybe does become slightly more sympathetic um but it also I think depends on what the team structure is like, like if someone joins as an engineering manager and there's just a bunch of developers looking up to that person telling them to tell them what to do, and they're not willing to explain and communicate what is actually involved in the process, but if there is someone that could you know be a partner an active cto or tech lead in the team um, that could help that person along the way i think that would make it a much smoother working experience for them
4: it's hard to speak up to you guys because uh, now i just need to repeat everything that you said before right because i entirely (laughs) agree with that i think um i wouldn't say that this is a requirement You don't need to have the prior knowledge, but you should be interested in that in some way, because we're talking about meeting the needs of other people, and you need to be able to understand what those needs are. And yes, as you said, if you lived through that experience yourself, you will know it firsthand. But then again, you can just pick it up as you go, if you're a really caring person, caring leader. And also, as you mentioned, it all depends on the organization and what kind of uh, what, what kind of responsibilities you have and what kind of other uh, support people you have uh, at your stack, right? Maybe you have a tech lead, maybe you have an architect, maybe you have some balance between mentors and co- uh, coaches, whatever. Uh, from my personal experience, the best managers that I worked with, they were all coming from the developer perspective and the other way it didn't work out. But this is one tiny uh, personal experience, right? It it doesn't need to be this way. So I, I agree with that. If you feel like you want to transition to an engineer and manager from completely non-tech um, <clears throat> job, then just go for it. Give it a try. Just uh, Yeah, but try to get interested, try to get uh, empathetic and understand what people uh, want and need.
1: Yeah, thank you for all the wonderful answers, and I agree uh, with uh, yeah most of you. I, I can say this is not a requirement, of course, uh, but uh, I can say it's one additional benefit to, to know how to code, or at least coming from the background working as a developer. And the most important topic for any engineering manager is the development of the people themselves, how you develop people how make them become better developers. And uh, also measuring the teams in a way or another also need you to be aware about some technical you come you have some technical insights, especially in the teams that you don't have architect or team lead, they just a group of seniors that you need to manage them to deliver a service. Yeah. And sometimes oh yeah, because you are know how to write the code or you're coming from this developer background you precisely know what is the problem with that guy and then help them uh, to grow, help them to learn new things, help them to find the direction, help them even to identify if they want to continue as a developer or not. And I faced a similar situation. Some of them like coming as a fresh grad to the team and they really, really want to work as a developer. But after like six months, they realized, okay, this is not my passion. I just want to work as a UX. And this is hard. I, I feel it could be a struggle for someone who really didn't have this background in mind uh, to, to judge people. But as you said, this is something that you can pick uh, while you go. And the, yeah, I agree with Valeria. The awesome manager that I work with, uh, they are always coming from a developer background as well. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Perfect. And obviously, uh, last but. But not least, um, Tristan, I've got your question here, which is what are the challenges you've encountered in being a leader? Very open question. What are your thoughts behind that?
2: It is very open. <laughs> and when I was trying to like give it some context, I was like, oh my God, where do I even start? Because I think there are so many like small challenges that we face every day, whether it's, you know, personality clashes and trying to help resolve situations time pressures money pressures all of these different things and then I think the more I was thinking about it and I think something that would be quite interesting for me to to discuss without turning it into a therapy session is how do I I think I am what something I am often find challenging is that I get very personally involved and emotionally involved in the work that I'm doing um, I put a lot of pressure on myself not only to perform but as I mentioned we work with a lot of people at the start of their careers so I get emotionally involved trying to be a role model and an example of what a leader can be through you know empowering them and taking accountability and being honest and transparent um, and I can sometimes find that quite challenging and taxing. so yeah, it'd be interesting to hear like, how you all feel. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I would definitely say that the hardest part about being a leader is people, (laughs) connecting with people. But for me, the biggest challenge of it all, it was overcoming my own limitations. I needed to let go of my ego. I needed to let go of the need to be this perfection, the smartest, the most capable, because this is not the place for a leader. Otherwise, you will either burn out Uh, your team will be unmotivated, they will not connect with you. And this is all about that. This is about connecting with the people on your team under your supervision, making sure that you see them, uh, that you utilize them in the best possible way. And I mean, I'm doing it in in a little bit unconventional way. We're trying to be really close. We're trying to have uh, informal settings for that. And so far, it has been working perfectly. Uh, So, I remember one of my managers saying that uh, the one that stepped down from being an engineering manager, he said, I felt that being a manager is the most lonely spot I could possibly be in. And for me, it's absolutely different experience because I never tried to kind of shield myself and just uh, dig into their problem. Uh, people do not open up to you. People do not talk about their issues, what they're facing, if they don't feel like you would do the same, because it needs to be an open door um, both ways. Right. But um it is hard. It's it's a new challenge every day. It's not an algorithm that you can write once and then, okay, that worked out with this developer. I'm going to get an intern in half a year. It's going to be the same. No, it's a completely different person. And you need to look and see and learn once again. So it's like 100,000 new programming languages and challenges on an everyday basis and it never stops, but that's the fun of it.
1: Yeah. Actually, this uh, question really, really interesting to me because uh I, I I perceived it like uh, like, had, like uh did like uh, at a personal level how what what kind of challenge that encountered since I ch- did this transition from software developer to uh, management role and really I can say like the first thing was just to recognize uh, your leadership skills you need to discover yourself because. I'm talking from, yeah, from that be- I'm coming from background, which is uh, I used to work as an engineering manager also in Egypt uh, for Egyptian companies, and they forcing you to be the old-fashioned leader, which is a boss. And you need to force people, you need make people work, you need to uh, do this uh, almost uh, or more often salary deduction. Oh, but this is not me. This is really hard to me, and then I step down back and, become a developer, and then I found my way to work with the international organization. Then I fulfilled my passion. Uh, and the second thing, you need to, from, from, from myself, the second challenge, you need, like you said, whether uh, you need to just uh, get down your ego. Yeah, your success is your people's success, your team's success. You shouldn't seek for the credit anymore. The credit for the team means the credit for you. And I say, like, we are building software by building people. Uh, this is my my favorite statement that I would like to say always, and also I see really really what it what's really matter for for an engineering manager, and the huge challenge is to how I don't know how to say it, but how to shape yourself with the different mentalities you have in the team. You have like some developers echo, some developers never talk, some developers always frustrated, complaining inside and never say out. Someone who always frustrated and always complaining, how you deal with that. And I give you one secret here. Really, really, the, the, the training for theater actor help a lot in that, really help a lot. So, yeah, and this is kind of invitation just read about the, the different acting method and how you coach actors, and then you know how to coach developers as well. Yeah, thank you.
3: Cool, and I, I'm definitely going to ask you for a book on that, uh, Tarek, as well, because that sounded really, really exciting. And I think that's, you really, uh, I totally agree with you guys. And one thing I want to sort of highlight as well for listeners is, is if you haven't, try to like travel around a bit and observe different leaders in different cultures. Because like Tarek mentions, Huge difference, just between like Central Europe and Nordics, huge, huge difference. So super, super interesting uh, to see. And I think as well, sort of, uh, Valeria, you mentioned the, the like ego, and I think one good trick I have there is to look at sort of the work you've done last week, which is likely mainly emails and meetings, right? And then you look at what a developer does in that week and you remove one of you from the product and ask yourself, is the product still running? Without you, I can almost promise that it is, <laughs> but without the developer, not so much, right? Uh, but then I also kind of want to add on to, to Tristan's question there, that I, I I think we work kind of the same way. I also get very emotionally involved. And one huge challenge that I face is, is transparency, right? Being open about it. Because I think I'm a big promoter of radical transparency, right? I think everything should more or less be open. But I've also realized that more and more I work with Management that some things might make people very, very worried, and it might not be anything, right? So it's sort of like you have to be kind of careful. Like, I, I'm not saying that you should lie. But sometimes withholding some information can actually be the right thing to do, which kind of goes against radical transparency, right? But I think that's a huge challenge, to balance of when, or, when am I supposed to be transparent or when am I being more opaque, right? Uh, so I think it's a very, very interesting question and not <laughs> not one I have a good answer to. Maybe Tarek like does.
1: Yeah, um, actually about the transparency because, yeah, I'm coming from the same mindset like I should be transparent to the team about all the information that I get, even if it's hard or difficult or sometimes maybe make people not feel so good. But the thing is like always to find a good time to start to communicate this and have these transparencies because sometimes it will be disaster if you just communicate it in time that's not suitable for the organization because also as engineering managers you should consider the organizational goals and organizational benefits uh, in, in, in one side and the, the team in the other side as well.
4: Yeah, and also on that note, I agree that uh, transparency is a very important factor because, once again, if people don't have the data, they will not be able to provide their input. And apart from the perfect timing for the communicating some challenging information, I think it's also the way you communicate this information. Because if you say, uh, Felix, that people might uh, misinterpret the level of threat Um, then probably there is something off with with how this threat is communicated. Uh, Me personally, I thrive in the radically transparent environments. For me, if I don't have this information, I will go and find a way to get access to it. I mean, with the minus of some... um, confidential information that is hidden for a completely different reason but once again so yeah definitely it, it is a challenge but there are ways around that and in, in a good environment it's also job, right you, you learn as you go what kind of uh, information and in what way your team can take and what it can't
0: fantastic ideas and thoughts um yeah really interesting takes on some of those questions um brilliant to hear all of all of um all of those answers too. so um obviously yeah before the end before we end the podcast I'd like to say thank you so much to all of our guests for sharing their thoughts um, so they've been Tarek Fowers who's the head of tachograph services at Scania We've got Tristan Dovern, who's the product owner at Hope and Internships Felix Delner, the technical product owner at Helicon Technologies, and Valeria Viana Gusmeo, who's the tech lead at eBerry by Strawberry. If you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I am Georgia, and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at georgia.benton at evolution-nordics.com or visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash UK forward slash Nordics. Thanks again to all of our guests and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.